Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Craig Hatton, who's the CEO and president of Iron Ball Mining, who are a junior mining uh, company on a mission to open up the next big African copper basin in Namibia. Uh, Craig is an economic geologist with over 25 years experience, and he's going to talk to us um, about a book that he's recently uh, recently wrote, which is titled Mining Economics Explained, um, which is aimed at boards, executives and managers unpacking the ec- economic optimization of a mine so that mining teams can maintain capital investment uh, discipline against consistent criteria. So that's welcome, Craig, to the podcast. How are you doing, Craig? Hi, Rob. Thank you uh, for the introduction and uh, having me on your podcast. Yeah, no worries, and I appreciate your time. Um, I came across your details uh, a few weeks ago because I noticed, obviously, you, you were advertising your uh, your book, so hence the reason why I reached out to you um, because I think it would be uh, it'd be a, a good conversation, and you can obviously tell our audience about um, your findings and how you actually produced the book. So, um, before we go into that, just wondered if you can um, tell our audience a little bit about your your career, your background in the mining industry? Yeah, sure, Rob. So um, I started my career in the late um, late 80s. Uh, I joined Anglo-American as a, as a young geologist. Um, and when I finished qualifying, I had a bursary with them. I finished qualifying in the early 90s. I then moved on to Harmony Gold Mining Company. Um, and I rose quite rapidly in the ranks at, at Harmony and finally culminated over seven after seven years as a, an ore resource manager. Um, I moved on from them and I joined uh, Placidome and I was with them for uh, for a considerable number of years um, as the chief strategy officer and I did um, <clears throat> account um, cost accounting in addition to uh, um, you know some of the other resourcing work that I've done as well. Um, and then from there, I moved um, to Anglo-American once again, and I became principal uh, mining economist. Um, I was with them for, for two years, after which I then branched out uh, into the consulting field. And uh, it was whilst I was in the consulting field that I was approached by a company listed on AIM called African Consolidated Resources, today known as Vast Resources. And I was responsible for bringing the Pixon Peerless uh, mine back into, into life, an old uh, Rio Tinto mine. And we delivered three and a half million ounces uh, of mineral resource, million ounces of reserve, and a valuation of a quarter billion dollars of value for a company that was had a market cap at the time of around about 25 million US dollars. So that was a considerable success. And then over the time, uh, when I left them, I continued with consulting. Um, consulted back to Anglo-American. Um, I've done some work for other companies such as ERG in the DRC, all around um, uh, mining economics and, and trying to um, estimate the optimal economic scale of operations as well as um, trying to uh, determine what the, the cutoff is. And when I say try, we have developed over the years 
you know, an algorithm which really I try to unpack in the book. I'm just one correction, Rob. I've done 25 years, uh, you know, doing mining economics, but I've been in the game for over 35 years. So, uh, so there is some hardcore experience. I, g- the- I gave I gave you a bit of a uh, um, a little bit of a undoing there, but obviously it just sh- shows that you're you're looking good for your age. Well, yeah, I was going to say thank you for uh, making me younger than I am. <laughs> um, before we go and speak about the book, um, I mentioned obviously you're the CEO and president of Iron Ball Mining. I just wanted to just give us a, a quick overview of of the company. Um, we've agreed to possibly do a podcast, uh, a future podcast on the company. Um, but I just wanted to just give us a quick snapshot of uh, of um, Iron Ball Mining. Yeah. Um, so, Rob, I was approached by um, Iron Bull, and uh, essentially it started with uh, a company called Mineworks who had a iron ore asset in Spain. And uh, the promoter, a gentleman by the name of Corey Hunt, approached me to, to uh, assist him and uh, divest the, uh, the asset from Mineworks and then take it for a listing. I'd been, or I have been working on a very, very exciting asset in Namibia for, for a number of years. And uh, essentially, the Coaculand copper basin is the sister basin to the African copper basin. And uh, it has the same geodynamic history. And, uh, and so when I went out into the field three years ago and uh, I got into the pit of a small miner, I saw this uh, strata-bound copper-hosted deposit, scratched my head, and I hadn't come across it before, and began to research the deposit and uh, turns out that Tech Resources was there in 2004. Um, they did a, a tremendous amount of work um, in 2008, 2009. A company called INV Metals um, did a deal with them and uh, combined they did over 20,000 meters of drilling. Um, Tech Resources defined about 20 um, uh, prospective areas. And finally, INV came out with a mineral resource of 10 million tonnes at 1% copper, grading at about 17 grams tonne silver. And then more recently, a company called White Metals uh, in 2016, I think it was, um, purchased the the licence. By then, uh, INV and Tech Resources had left Namibia. And so uh, many of the, all of the, the licenses have been up for grabs and divvied up. And uh, White Metals uh, last year um, declared a, a mineral resource of uh, 7.7 million tonnes at 1.53% uh, copper with a credit of silver at uh, 27 grams a tonne. So, um, you know, I've, I've, uh, we have done a deal with them. Um, so we've purchased that asset. And really it'll be the sort of backbone to uh, generating cash for us so that we can uh, pursue a significant exploration program. And uh, we've brought on partners um, um, called Tech Resources, who are economic geologists, and their um, expertise is to go and model the basin so that we understand, you know, where the feeder shoots are, um, so we can obviously then uh, start building out the, the, the mineral resource that we have. So we're very optimistic on that. And as you said, I think... Um, it probably deserves, you know, more time with you, you know, unpacking and discussing, you know, a very, very significant um, copper opportunity. Yeah, certainly. Um, so let's go on to uh, obviously the book, uh, Mining Economics Explained. Mm-hmm. First of all, what made you write the book? 
Yeah, good question. Um, so, you know, I've been at, um, you know, mining economics, if you wish, for 25 years. Um, you know, after, after I had, um, whilst I worked as a geologist, I was always keenly, keenly fascinated by economics. I immediately after studying geology, I did a Bachelor of Commerce, uh, specializing in finance and economics, loved economics, still love economics. And, you know, through the years, and particularly when I joined Harmony Gold Mining Company, I met up with a, um, at the time, a young mining engineer called Don van Heerden. And uh, he had been retained by the incumbency of, of the company at the time called Bernard Swanepoel. And their philosophy was, you know, how do you maximize returns for the shareholders? And uh, Don had come up with uh, an optimization curve that could determine what the, the economic cutoff was it, you know, in the good old days, people used to use pay limits. And the problem that, um, that you know, we were grappling with in those days is if you mine to a pay limit, essentially you're saying you're mining to break even. And, um, and they came up with the idea of cutoff and we're trying to, or, and did um, through their work, um, optimised or, or, or determined a cutoff that maximised cash flows. Um, and so I became very imbued with it. Um, you know, a lot of that work, um, working with Don, um, was contributed to, to the success of Harmony Gold Mining in the 1990s. In the matter of seven years, Harmony Gold Mining became the, the fifth largest um, gold mining company globally. Now, that was a lot of hard work from Bernard Swanepoel and his philosophies and, you know, defining the Harmony way. But undergirding all of that was the... Um, was the concept of optimizing the ore bodies. What was always missing in that uh, formula was real economic content. And so, you know, what we had seen is that, uh, you know, accountants generally just take cost numbers and they divide uh, a numerator by a denominator. And then what you see is costs get cheaper as you increase increase um, volumes. Well, in, in, in the 2000s, in the last commodity boom, the industry globally, experimented with increasing volumes. And what we found was that costs actually began to accelerate. Um, and in fact, very, very quickly, we got into a position where we had significant margin squeeze. By 2013, um, the industry was in trouble. They had overproduced. And I looked at this and, and you know, had been working with, uh, by then, obviously, I was back in, in the fold with uh, Anglo and uh, the, the mining economics team was charged with looking after $120 billion of, of, of project pipeline. And there was this great push to increase production. And my economics um, you know, learnings have told me that there's a point at which actually costs begin to rise. You get to a point of diseconomies of scale. And it wasn't something that mining engineers at the time liked to hear. You know, they were convinced that the bigger you get, um, you know, you just continually, um, you know, get economies of scale, you know, and, uh, and the concept of diminishing returns um, was quite foreign. And so, you know, I just felt that, you know, over time, you know, I have had the ability now to weld together, um, you know, the concepts that uh, we had employed at Harmony Gold Mining Company with the optimization, and um, And then obviously also, you know, pulling together and actually drawing, if you wish, these uh, U-shaped optimization cost curves for costs. Um, and so it took me uh, um, a lot of you know, time and hard work 
But essentially what we've done is we've taken microeconomics and we've taken, if you wish, um, mineral resource economics and welded them together. And so what belies the book, uh, Rob, is an algorithm that I've developed over the years that what we're able to do is we, we, we're able to pull in the uh, mineral resources um, and then model the mineral resources against cost curves and, and then run them through um, varying rates of production and matching them with cost structures to, um, to determine what an ore body can, can sustain. And so really that was the motivation um, for writing that and then bringing that knowledge to the industry um, and, uh, and sharing that with the, with the view that, in fact, um, you know, the analysis um, really informs the C-suite because for the first time, you know, um, the executive, you know, normally what happens is, um, you know, teams go and buy um, projects and then they just give it to the engineers and the engineers really don't have guidelines as to what C-suite, C-suite expects in terms of returns. And so really this is a, a window to look into to the ore body and really understand the sort of maximum value that an ore body can deliver. And then once that is done, then you start your, your, feasi- your, your feasibility studies. So it guides both the, the executive and it guides the, uh, the technical teams designing mines. And so really that was the, the motivation uh, for writing this book, Rob. Did you have any help writing it? Uh, and I don't mean necessarily writing the book, but did you have other people, um, other people's learnings and teachings that you encompassed uh, their knowledge into the book? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, Isaac Newton said we stand on the shoulders of giants. And uh, there was certainly uh, work by Prof Minute, Dick Minute, um, who had latched on from Wits University, who had latched on to the optimization curves. And I actually sat under his tutelage in 2006 and began what um, Wits University were doing, a graduate diploma in, uh, in engineering. And it was really focused around minerals. And uh, I met him on that course, and, and I'd been doing a whole bunch of work, and we compared notes. And, uh, I mean, you know, the two of us almost got married, dare I say, um, because, you know, it was in those days, you know, subject matter again, as I said, that um, hadn't really found favour. Um, but Dick also uh, says or concedes that you know, whilst academics have you know espoused you know these cost curves and optimization, etc., they've never really had tools that they can actually take the theory and actually you know package it into uh, into something that uh, miners can, can use. So that again stimulated me toward, you know, really getting in and, uh, and crafting a, uh, a comprehensive uh, algorithm. Um, and then, of course, there were others. I, I quote them in uh, in the book, uh, McCarthy, for instance, um, and uh, and his colleagues came up with the uh, the Hill of Value. Um, I was first introduced to a paper written by McCarthy in two thousand and six, and my boss at Anglo said. Can you replicate it? Uh, it took me many years to do that, um, and but we've we've been able to replicate that hill of value, which I think is a, is a very nice visual tool, because what it does is really brings together all the sort of theory and all the learning, um, and really the works of others, um, 
that really support the uh, fundamentals of what I've written about, uh, Rob? Um, why would you say this book is different to any other books on, a, I suppose, a similar topic written by other authors? So, you know, Rob, when you look at the civil landscape of literature out there, you, you see, you know, books out there called mining economics. And, you know, my, my, um, my challenge reading those books, they were very informative, um, but they either had a, a sort of financial slant to them and, and you know, NPVs, et cetera, and this is, you know, how you go about calculating NPVs, and, and some of them were quite sophisticated. Others were more of an engineering um, sort of content. And, and always what has been missing is the sort of economic slot. So despite the fact that they call economics, actually, when you looked at the credentials of authors, many of them didn't have any economics background. And some of them did. Um, but none of them really were, were unpacking, um, you know, the cost curves and, and, and unpacking microeconomics. Um, and so... You know, what my book does, first of all, it really looks at economic theory and economic uh, content. And then what it does is takes those theories and actually draws the curves. But more than that, it actually welds, um, you know, all body um, signatures with economics. Um, and so I think that is a critical difference. Um, it really looks at, or, or the emphasis is saying, uh, in truth, what can the all body sustain? And, and, it, and it considers the primacy of the all body. And then it looks at economics. So um, it's quite different in terms of approach. Um, and I think it's, um, it's um, you know, for those who are interested in the topic, perhaps, um, perhaps novel. But in saying novel, um, it, is, it has, um, you know, a lot of underpinnings. Um, there are a lot of, it's, it's well researched. You have a look at the bibliography of the book. There's many pages of, of um, of references by other authors. So, so I think that's the slot, and that's really what makes it quite different to other um, books on the subject. Um, why would you say the book is, I suppose, more important now in today's uh, today's world than maybe previously? So, could you repeat that? Sorry, I got distracted. Yeah, so, yeah sorry. Um, I'm just asking, why do you think the book now is probably more relevant and more important in mining in the mining industry today than, than perhaps previously? Yeah, good question. You know, Rob, I lived through the last super cycle and the super cycle was go big or go home. That was the mantra of the day. At the end of that um, cycle, um, the industry um, was descended upon by, you know, all the uh, consulting houses and, you know, they were telling miners that they didn't know how to mine one, they didn't know how to make money from mines, they were business oriented. Bear in mind that during the last super cycle, the investors were, were, you know, encouraging CEOs to build big pipelines um, and, and go big. And, uh, and really, no one uh, really understood uh, economics. But then, you, you know, you had people like Ivan Glassenberg who was saying, you know, miners really need to understand, you know, economics. And, uh, and so... Having a, had a look at that and then, you know, in the aftermath of all that, looking at all the comments uh, and, and, and the bloodletting and then looking forward and understanding that we're going to go back into a super cycle and probably a super cycle that's going to dwarf what we've had, given the fact that, you know, we, we're going through a major energy transition and, and the oil of the future is essentially going to be battery metals. 
And so it's not just understanding, you know, oil wells, it's understanding lithium, it's understanding copper, it's understanding um, nickel, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they're all different, but we, we're going into to a new super cycle. And so the, 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 the danger is, you know, do we repeat what we did in, in the last super cycle? If there's one thing about history that we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. And, uh, you know, if I can make a contribution to, to put my hand up and say, you know, um, colleagues, um, here are the reasons why we um, underperformed in the last super cycle. And it's not because miners don't understand business. There's some very, very astute businessmen. I mean, let me give you an example. Mark Kitafani, Mark Bristow, um, you know, a, a litany of, 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 of players, uh, uh, Bernard Swanepoel back in the day. Um, you know, one can list them. I mean, these guys are really astute guys and they really understand business. Um, but I think the gaps, significant gaps um, exist between the investing community who, who have this... Um, essentially a naive understanding of what mining's about, you know, mines you can't flick on and off. Um, you know, it takes a lot of patient capital. Um, I was reading um, on the wires recently, uh, I think it was S&P, there was a commentator reminding everyone that it takes between 16 and 20 years um, from when a mine is first defined to come online. Um, and so, you know, in the investment community, they they timelines are a lot shorter. In fact, the timelines are three months and, you know, things aren't performing the way uh, an analyst expects them to, to perform. You know, they, they, they criticise uh, quite severely management, yet management have to take a longer-term view. So, um, so, you know, it's really trying to sort of close the gaps between the different players and get the investment community to really understand that mining essentially is a long-term game. You can't break it up into three-month intervals. Um, and the other thing is, you know, to challenge the idea that, you know, should we go back into the um, paradigm of bigger is better because we have a significant um, demand gap coming. By 2025, we all know that, um, you know, coppers at the current levels of production is, you know, the, the gap is going to open between supply and demand. And I was actually reading the other day, Rob, um, which was quite uh, quite interesting, um, um, that in the next 26 years, the demand for copper will be more than in, more than the demand and consumption used in the history of mankind when it comes to copper. And I would imagine that's quite similar for other for other um, commodities as well. So, you know, um, a, a a long roundabout way of of describing to you why certainly I believe. Um, you know, there's this difference in the contribution that uh, this book can make going into the next super cycle. Um, anyone reading the book, what are some of the major takeaways that they can get uh, from from going through the book? Is there any highlights that you can um, that you can tell us about? No, for sure. And I think what I try to do, and I'm in pains to do, is 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 the primacy of the all body rub. Every single ore body is has a, a, a different um, economic signature, and and the reason for that it's it has a different every deposit has a different geochemical signature. It's just the way the fluids, it's the structure, the architecture. Um, a colleague of mine talks about the plumbing, and so you know 
That's why we get structural geologists um, into our team so they understand the plumbing and the architecture so we can do better predictions. So, and then from an economic perspective and, and really work um, that when I did some work for ERG, which was, um, you know, drawing sort of modern grade tonnage curves. So I advanced grade tonnage curves in my book to look at things in terms of um, uh, doing relative um, comparisons rather than absolute comparisons because what I can then, and what I do do, is I'm able to compare the, the metal content with, with the ore. And, and really, it's, it's about understanding the ore body and the ore body signature and then understanding the economics around that ore body. So, for instance, an ore body that you have one and a half kilometers, two or three kilometers away from you could have a radically different economic signature to the one you're mining. And a mistake that many investors make is the belief, and even C-suite um, um, uh, colleagues, is the belief that, frankly, you can determine um, the output of a particular ore body rather than letting the ore body telling you what it can, can deliver. So that's why we've had many instances in the past where engineers come, they build massive plants, and then soon realize that the pit that they're mining will never um, support the uh, capacity that they have built. So really the primacy of the ore body comes out. And then, of course, the second one is, as I've been waxing miracle, Rob, about um, you know, taking theory and, and really um, translating that into a workable model. Um, and so, you know, I unpack the, the, the cost curves and then really show a pathway to, to uh, how you combine them and then how you optimize and ultimately culminating in a, in a hill of value. Of course, surrounding all of those concepts, um, I didn't want to just make it a technical book because I wanted it to appeal to a broader audience and, and particularly um, give investors insights into what we grapple with um, in the mining industry. And so, I impact, um, for instance, uh, and, and, and adopt, if you wish, um, design thinking, which has worked really well for the IT uh, business. Um, and so really looking at a, a deposit and saying, you know, what are the factors? Why, why you know, the first, the first lens that uh, design there looks through is, is desirability. And, uh, and really, uh, you know, in today's world, you know, unpacking desirability to be going after copper, et cetera, is quite easy given the green revolution. But then you have to look at viability. And my book really um, fits into the viability lens. Um, and then once you've understood the viability of an operation, is then to take it to feasibility. And I think in the mining industry, there's a confusion between viability and feasibility. So in my, in my opinion, feasibility is a very technical engineering uh, lens sphere, whereas viability is really an economic um, um, lens that you look at all bodies. And then ultimately, you go through into sustainability. And there's two components to sustainability. The one is economic sustainability. I mean, we're just going through at the moment a very high inflationary um, environment. Um, and so sustainability is all about economics in addition to the new, new thinking around sustainability. And so in part, I address um, not in depth, but you know, issues around ESG um, that are becoming more and more Important. So I tried to, in terms of the relevance of the book, try to cover a number of, of different touch points, but really bringing it back to, to the, the heart of, 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 of what the book's message is. And that's the primacy of the all body and welding them with uh, real economics, um, perhaps for the first time.
Um, in the introduction, I mentioned the book uh, maybe for board, board executives and managers. Um, but who else, apart from those, who else do you think could benefit from um, reading this book? Um, other than obviously who I've just sort of mentioned, all those subcategories and job titles that I've just mentioned. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I you know, the title of the book is it's for investors, it's for the C-suite, it's for directors, um, it's for technical people as well. Um, so, I mean, with such a wide audience, you know, there's a challenge to be able to just, you know, try and sort of present a book to to really appeal to to as wide an audience as I can. Um, and so really it's 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 all the participants in the mining industry. And I think you know there's 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 a there's an incredible need as well to make sure that you know those who are involved with you know ESG, for instance, that we don't lose sight of the fact that you know without you know without capital, there's we can't exploit deposits. You know, a deposit in the ground has no value. Um, and so I think, um, you know, not only those who invested in the in the commercialization of poor deposits, but, you know, those um, who are also involved with, you know, this new trend around ESG will find, um, will find some insights as to, you know, the mechanics of actually building a mine and what goes into the mine and also understanding the risks that go into building a mine, you know. What we're finding in, in today's world is, you know, this this trend, you know, this, if I may say, you know, this this fascination of socialism once again. And the idea is it's terribly unfair to reward investors when prices are high and the temptation to come in and uh, and tax and, have, you know, you know, saying that, you know, communities are missing out, et cetera. And I think um, what that does is it scares capital. They say capital is a coward. And uh, what, what the sort of thinking today is, is that, you know, we're happy to tell investors that they must take all the risk, but when the big rewards come, it's unfair for you to be enjoying that. And so we're going to take that away from you. And so I think there's a conversation to be had um, with, um, you know, those who are, are uh, providing capital and then ultimately, you know, sort of this notion of equitable, um, you know, sharing of, of of the spoils, and you know, I think in in, in my book, certainly the way I approach um, exploiting all deposits, um, I don't necessarily believe that it's uh, shareholders against stakeholders. I believe there is a middle path, and certainly when I talk to management teams, I share with them how you achieve that by applying cutoffs. Um, but I, I, I'm not going to belabor this particular point. Um, but you know, perhaps it's also um, the material for the next book that I that I'm being fumbled now to write. There are people saying this book deserves a follow-up. So I'm I'm really listening to what people are saying out there and you know making notes. And uh, certainly there will be a follow-up to this book at time, Rob. Yeah, and um, that was going to be my last question. Actually, I was going to ask you. Uh, have you got any other books in the pipeline? So you might as well answer that question now. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I think um, I think um, you know the reception um, has been quite remarkable. I thought that um, I would be doing well if I sold a hundred books because, in, in my view, this is a very narrow field. Um, I've actually sold over a thousand books. Uh, Rob. Congratulations! Um, yeah, thank you. I, I mean, it's. Um, 
it's been quite a remarkable response. Um, you know, on LinkedIn, I've had um, you know close to seventy thousand uh, impressions, um, a lot of reactions to the book, which have been all positive. Um, and so, to answer your question, you know, I'm getting feedback. You know, people are asking questions. People want more insight. Um, I have um, been asked by quite a number of uh, executive teams um, to do one-on-one with them and with their team, which I've done over the last few months. Um, and I continue to have um, from uh, from many mid-tiers and senior players, um, people making inquiries for me to help them with optimization. And um, I'm certainly, certainly keen to help people. Um, and so... Um, one of the ways is um, clearly to to listen to the audience, um, to try and understand what they're grappling with beyond what I've unpacked. And I'll be making notes of all that, Rob, and at the right time, certainly sit down and, and pen another book. I have to just say one thing that um, for someone who's um, not a literary genius like myself, it's a, it's a lot of effort. So um, I don't relish sitting down again doing it, but uh, I'll do it because I think uh, it's important for you know, for people who've uh, had the opportunity to spend so many year, fruitful years in the industry to give something back. And really, that's that's what I'm keen to do for the next generation, to share with them these experiences and, and ultimately to be in a position to optimi- optimally exploit mineral resources that ultimately are exhausting resource, resources and really to have good stewardship of them, to, to be able to build mines that are, are you know, ultimately give back to society in an appropriate way. How long did it actually take you to to write the book from, I suppose, initial thinking about writing a book to actually then publishing it? Yeah, um, the sort of pen to paper, um, Rob, four years, uh, dare I say. I, I, I'm a late bloomer and slow worker, but uh, I try and, try and be thorough. So, yeah, it was, it was long. Hopefully the next one won't take me as long. You're, you're used to it now, so you can cut that time by half now. Yeah, I just I just think my wife probably is not used to it. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, you said you've sold a thousand copies. What are, what is some of the response that you've had from people that have obviously purchased and read the book? Very encouraging, Rob. Um, you know, a lot of people. You know, I read the comments coming through. Um, you know, people have said um, really good content. Um, great perspectives, um, great insights. Um, so I've had, of course, you, you know, you, you you get these sort of outliers, you get sort of some criticisms. Um, but, um, you know, I think, you know, going forward, you know, I think ultimately it's to, it's to engage with people who have some criticisms. One of the criticisms that I've had, but not necessarily on, uh, on the feedback, but I've had over the years, is they say, how can you do optimization in a spreadsheet? And my algorithms are run in spreadsheets when you have these 3D models. And really, in my next book, I'll address that in more detail. And, and frankly, the 3D work that the engineers do and the work that I do are very compatible. Um, and so, you know, I get outputs um, that I generate, and then you take it into 3D space. And so, well, these are the outputs. Call your uh, 3D model up and let's, let's test what I'm saying against, you know, how the ore body holds together. Um, and so, and so, you know, we continue to address, you know, I wouldn't call those criticisms, but um, in people's minds, how you translate 
you know, my approach to optimization to what they are used to and familiar with. And really, it, it, it's about reconciling that. So overall, I think a very good reception, um, Rob. And lastly, um, for those, obviously, those that are listening, if they haven't already uh, uh, read your book, why would someone buy and invest in reading, obviously, the book? Um, and what could they, and I suppose you have answered this question anyway, but what could someone that's listening, and, it's, and, and obviously I've got a variety of different people listening to, this, uh, to these uh, podcasts, um, but why should they invest and, and read your book and what would they generally take away from it unless they're obviously a particular specialist that will want to get something from it? So, Rob, I mean, it's a wide audience and, 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 and my response is, is, is a very simple, do you want to make money from the, from the resource that you have? And if the answer is, yes, we want to make money, and I should imagine you'd want to get a return on investment, um, then, you know, this is an approach that has been proven and tried. Um, certainly, um, when a company like Harmony Gold Mining Company embedded this into their thinking and over seven years became the fifth largest gold mining company in the world and we're profitable at it. Um, and then over the years, having having taken that uh, that thinking forward and, and again, demonstrating value, i.e. in bringing Picks and Peerless Mine to market, we used the same philosophies and it was about maximizing cash flows and getting the optimal you know, moments in terms of understanding the ore body. Um, Tried and tested, um, tried and tested techniques to how you turn an ore body into, um, you know, chasing alpha, if you wish, making money. And so that would be my my simple answer to a broad set of audiences: if you want to make money, you know, consider reading my book and understanding what it takes to bring an ore body um, to a point where you can maximise returns o- over and through the cycles. Craig, really appreciate your time in sharing your um, your thoughts and your wisdom and obviously detailing us about your uh, your book. For those that are listening, um, where can they purchase the book? Well, the easiest, Rob. Um, you know, you can uh, either go to my LinkedIn um, uh, profile and you will see it's kind of advertised there, click on it, and you'll go straight through to Amazon or just call up Amazon on your PC and uh, type in the... Uh, the, the um, title of my book and it'll come up and uh, you can purchase it online. Great. And if our audience got have, have got any questions, um, how can they go about contacting you? And are you on any other social media platforms apart from LinkedIn and Amazon? I'm only on LinkedIn for, for now. Um, you know, my view has been I want to keep this professional. A lot of people are asking me to get on Twitter. Um, I may or may not do that in time. Um, but yeah, my email address is there. Um, perhaps what I could do, uh, and I don't know, Rob, how, how you do that, but you have my email. so if, uh, Yeah, we, we can enclose those in the, the show notes accompanying this, so we can put those details on there. Um, so people can, when they're listening to the podcast, they can view the show notes and you'll have their contact details there. So if they've got any questions, then obviously they can uh, email you. Sure, and I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to field those questions. Yeah, great. Really appreciate your time. Good luck with the with the uh, with the book. Um, hopefully, we'll be speaking soon um, again um, on the, obviously the the company that you're the CEO and president of. Um, so, for those that are listening, um, 
appreciate uh, your time. It's certainly uh, an episode that I think you um, that you would have enjoyed taking something away. Um, and and please consider buying Craig's book. Um, there's probably so many things you've got. I haven't read it myself, but there's probably a lot of points that you could take away from that. Um, in any, I suppose, discipline that you're, you're involved in within the mining industry. Um, so appreciate you um, listening to this. Again, I like all the um, comments that you um, that you um, send me, emails and encouragement to uh, keep producing these podcasts. Again, appreciate if you can um, share this episode with others, friends, family, others in the mining industry. Um, to get this uh, content and to help Craig sell some more books. So uh, appreciate your time for listening. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.